Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Phantom Galaxy. We're your hosts here with Nathan Bartleball, Chris Durham, and Seth Dombach. And tonight we have an episode centered completely around evil dolls. <laughs> and we've kind of extended that a little bit. We have evil dolls, we have demonic dummies, and creepy teddy bears. Because mm-hmm. I think the creepy teddy bears, where else am I going to get to talk about creepy Don't teddy bears? About evil cookies. <laughs> Well, where else I could talk about creepy teddy bears is the Twin Peaks podcast, but <laughs> right. I don't think we have a limited audience there <laughs> for that one, Seth and I on the Twin Peaks. But yeah, and, and I guess evil toys sort of in there as well. So tonight's episode is based all around that. Of course, we have a new Annabelle movie coming out. And the surprising thing sounds like it's actually pretty good. I mean, comparatively to what you would expect for a sequel to a evil doll movie that personally I didn't think was that great to begin with, the original Annabelle. Yeah. Uh, we seem to be getting a couple of those where you've got movies, sequels to movies you never thought would exist, mm-hmm. and right. suddenly here they are, and they turn out to be pretty good. Uh, so we have that coming up. Before we get started, just a couple uh, little pieces of news and stuff I wanted to talk about. And one of those is something that I literally just discovered right before we started this this podcast, which is we talk about sequels to movies that I don't think anyone cared about in the first place. As I was getting on tonight, I saw that there is a trailer for Beyond Skyline. <laughs> now, do either of you even really remember, until we saw that this was happening, that there was a Skyline 1? Yes. I remember <laughs> actually kind of thinking that might be a cool movie, and then I watched it and realized how wrong I was. So if there's anyone out there who's liking Skyline, well, and you're thinking it sounds like a Kira Knightley drama or something, uh, it wasn't. It was a 2010, I want to say 2010, like uh, November of 2010, kind of towards the tail end of the year. And it was a movie that I think was mostly released, uh, I can't remember if it was released for critics or not. I don't know if there was a, I think I might have gone to a screening, but it was kind of just dumped into theaters. Mm-hmm. And the trailer or the poster art all had people getting sucked up into what looked like getting raptured or whatever you will. It looked like they were getting sucked up into giant alien vacuums, just like thousands and thousands of people mm-hmm. at one one swoop that was kind of the big image that kind of was supposed to catch your imagination and it was from the du- the directing brother duo i mean of the the guys who made uh alien versus predator requiem or whatever oh god yeah. which i mean it was like i the one thing i could say about skyline i could visually actually see that movie because <laughs> i think i remember somebody once said uh alien versus predator seems like it was made for uh radio <laughs> because of how visually dark it was but uh, this movie, what's, what had the acting talents of like Eric Balfour mm. and like Donald <laughs> the sci-fi Fa- classic like masterpiece legend Donald Eric Donald Faison was in it I think mm. and uh, uh, I don't think anybody else that I recognize was in it and it was very much like a sci-fi original movie. Did you guys both see it? Sadly. I've seen parts of it. <laughs> yeah. So, and I actually don't feel bad, like, because I'm going to just kind of, like, spoil some of it here. So, apparently there's a sequel, or it says, rather, I think the tagline was based off of the, like, worldwide blockbuster. So, I don't know if this played big in Malaysia, but I don't remember it being a big yeah. hit here. It was not, as far as I know. Uh, and it wasn't a very good movie. Like, it had an interesting premise. People are getting pulled up into, you know, they're getting sucked up into these spaceships. 
and people aren't sure what's going on. It played very much almost like a video game. You know, giant mon- you had these giant monsters running around kind of taking people and jamming them into like these little cages in their body. It was basically like an Inhumanoids movie. Does anyone remember that like yes. cartoon from the 80s, the Inhumanoids? Yeah. I used to have this big monster. He had like his rib cage would open up and you could put little people inside of him. They were kind of cool. I mean, but this was like your Inhumanoids movie. It just wasn't very good. And I typically don't like spoil movies, even movies that have come out for a while. I try not to, but I'm just going to go ahead and spoil the end of this. Mm-hmm. That's for you too, Seth, so you don't feel free. <laughs> so the movie just keeps going, and people are getting sucked up, and it's, it becomes pretty clear. It's like, how are you going to stop this? These things are almost unstoppable. Mm-hmm. They're sucking everybody up. The end of the movie, Balfour and his girl get sucked up with what looks to be the rest of the world are just hoovered right up into space. And they're in the ship. And you see that the aliens are taking everyone's brains out of their heads and putting them in these giant, like, berserker and humanoid monsters, the ones that are on the ground. And, like, so they're just taking our brains and planting them in. And so they're pulling out the brains, and all the brains look like they're kind of glowy blue, and they're dumping yeah. them in. Well, they go to pull Balfour's out, and it's like a red glowy brain. Like, it's a, like it's a toxic or something. Or something. Yeah. yeah, so they pull the brain out and dump it in one of the berserkers. And then the girl is on the ground, and they're about to grab her brain. And all of a sudden, the 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 berserker that has the glowy uh, Balfour brain like suddenly breaks free of its like constraints and goes rogue and starts punching the other monsters <laughs> and like grabs uh, the girl under his arm like Swamp Thing and starts running off through the ship, just beating the other monsters. And then the the credits roll, and the credits are just flash forward scenes, almost like from a graphic novel. Yeah. Looks far more interesting than the movie of Balfour's what? monster like running through these various levels of the ship, fighting other creatures. <laughs> That sounds ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's by far the best part of the movie. because yeah. <laughs> it was just I was like, if they had sustained that level of crazy, and I watched the trailer to this, and it's just like a new group of people with Frank Grillo is in it, and he's over in one area, and it seems like all the same monsters you saw in the original movie pop back up. So mm. I'm sure this will be another worldwide blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I'm not really encouraging anyone to run out and see it. I'm not encouraging you to run out and see the first movie. <laughs> Myanmar's number one just hit, like, Skyline. I'm gonna find the end credit sequence and put it on our this, yeah. I will put it in the show notes so you don't have to bother <laughs> if it if it's out there I'm sure it is uh, but yeah and just be it's it's kind of amazing when you see sequels and you're like wait that a, Terry <laughs> yeah. Gilliam can't get financing for his <laughs> movie like but uh, but we have Skyline 2 uh, I did see uh, interesting news to me is that um, the director of The Witch is making a, another film, Eggers. which is good. Yeah, uh, Dave Eggers mm-hmm. is making another movie, and he's using the same lead from from The Witch. And she was also in Split recently. And yeah. the what he's doing is he's making another version of Nosferatu. Now, I think we've talked on here many times about how it's not always that exciting when someone just remakes another movie mm-hmm. over again. Yeah. And to be fair, like Nosferatu's been made a couple of times. Uh, yeah. We've had, of course, the 1922 silent film. We've had the also really good, like, 79 Werner Herzog one. Movie. Yeah, that one's good. Yeah, uh, Klaus Kinski plays the Count uh, Orloff. That's a pretty pretty good, too. I'd say in some ways it's about as good as the original. The original has, there's something about the combination of elements that are sort of outside the director's control, mm-hmm. but like the creepy motions that come with the silent film, the yeah. fact that no one's talking, all those elements make it really interesting and intriguing. You know, uh, they add to it. But I think Hartog did a very neat way of still making the movie feel that's kind of out of time and out of place and, and creepy yeah. and surreal in its own way. 
like all the rats. That's some of the grossest movies I think for rats. <laughs> rats yeah. everywhere. Like, what was it like to wrangle that many rats? Those are things <laughs> somebody like Herzog never thought about. He just let the actors and stunt people deal with that fact. How are we going to drag a ship through the jungle? I don't know who's going to yeah, manage exactly. these rats. I don't know. I just I'm the director. <laughs> Look at the rats crawling over Kinski. <laughs> It is like the metaphor for man's life. Yeah, meanwhile, Kinski's like biting their heads off. <laughs> just drinking them like a beer. Uh, I just feel like, do, I mean, do, do you guys feel this way? It feels kind of like this is like a story that's almost like public domain at this point. So where it, it's it's okay, it's more open to interpretation than, let's say, like we're remaking Halloween or something like that. Well, I think it absolutely is because Nosferatu is just a version of Dracula. I mean, yeah, right. the original version has pretty much all the same characters as Dracula. So mm-hmm. when people are like, oh, how's he going to adapt Nosferatu? Well, he's really adapting Dracula, which everybody yeah. does. And um, I'm excited about that because yeah. it seems like he'll bring something unique and fresh to it. Well, the, the yeah. quote that he had, or the quote that was coming from the, the whole production of this, is that they're wanting to make that kind of German setting have a same kind of realistic, textured feel that they brought to that uh, Puritan early America mm-hmm. that was in The Witch. And I think that that's the big thing. It's that kind That'd of sense fantastic. of time and place applied to a story that's very much kind of fable style, very much dreamlike, and yeah. yet it was so evocative and kind of visceral at the same time. That's a weird I, mixture in that movie. I, I think you... you, you... Even though it's just, it was just released, what is it like two years ago or just a year ago? I, I think you could probably put that lit that uh, the witch on like the a list of like top you know best horror films of all time. Like it's just it's not it's not that it's so like frightening that, but it's there's something about like you said it's evocative. There's so much feeling to that, so much tension. It's just it's a great movie. It's absolutely a modern classic. I definitely would put it in one of my top favorite horror movies of all time. Yeah. It is, and it's good in a lot of different ways. Like, it has feelings of, like, movies like The Wicker Man and stuff like that. But it also has feelings of movies that are, like, borderline horror classics. Right. Like, like uh, uh, I think of a Peter Ware movie called um, The Hit Picnic at Hanging Rock, which is yes. almost not a horror movie, but it's very... Have you yeah. seen it, Chris? Mm. I would put that on the list of... It's just a really fascinating movie, and it basically... It's a good movie. ...deals with this group of uh, young uh, schoolgirls in Australia... It's not that kind of a movie. Uh, Who go out into the outback and then basically just disappear. Mm -hmm. And the movie is not about finding answers or anything like that. But it's just a very strange, hypnotic, dreamlike experience. Sounds interesting. Yeah, Yeah. I think you'd really really like it. Uh, So there's that. There's, I mean, we would probably talk this movie to death, but I still want to mention it. Which is, they had a new clip come out for the movie It. And we have two weeks to go. I think we're going to try to do a uh, group podcast trip to go see to go see it. I'm really excited about it. I mean, I can't remember the last time I was excited, this excited for a uh, Stephen King movie. Yeah. Uh, the last time was probably when, uh, right until the, the reviews came out for The Dark Tower. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, in reality, I always had concerns about that. And this I had written off, and then we got the first trailer for it, and it just like instantly, which I think they knew, your expectations just turned basically mm-hmm. completely around. I love like I love the book. I, I think the book's amazing. It's one of my favorite books of Kings and just of all time. And like I I talked a lot of crap on this movie before I saw anything from it. And and like pretty much immediately after watching that first trailer, I was like, oh yeah, I need to eat some crow on this one because this looks awesome. And I think everything I've seen up to 
like up till this point just looks incredible i'm i'm so hyped for this movie well it's funny too i remember seeing people saying things like why does this need a remake and i was like um Maybe we'll go with why this need an adaptation. I don't know about it. Like, it was perfect the way it was. <laughs> Have you seen it in 20 years? Tim Curry's very good. Well, I, I recently picked up the... Uh, we're doing the King podcast. We have that, that one's coming up. Uh, the first episode, that's coming up here soon. But I got, uh, probably against my better judgment, DVD of like three of the miniseries. The Salem's Lot. <laughs> Salem's Lot, the 2004. I also picked up a Blu-ray of the old one because I'm a big fan of that one. And then the uh, Shining, the one from 97, and then It. So, uh, to me, I liked what Curry was doing in the It miniseries. He's definitely the best thing about it. Yeah. But I kind of feel yeah. like... Yeah. Chris, have you ever read the book? I have not. I'm rereading the book now. The book is a very different beast, particularly the miniseries. And I'm curious to see what they do with it. Because there's a lot of stuff that's very, very dark. And I kind of forgot yeah. how yeah. dark. Like, there's a couple of characters in there... Uh, there's a scene where, where Beth's character kind of comes up and, and finds a bunch of the bully boys, you know, kind of comes yeah, upon them. Yeah. That's a very dark sequence. Like, everything surrounding that chapter is dark. And uh, it's just a lot a lot stranger and weirder than I kind of remembered as I'm reading through it. And, of course, the movie is basically, the first one is just consolidated to the kids. But I kind of want to talk about this scene because, to me, I finally got a glimpse of exactly what... Skarsgård's doing with the Pennywise character and right, what Machete, right, the director, yeah. is doing with the whole thing. Chris, what do you think about Because you actually saw it in the theater. I just saw the little, like, shaky YouTube video. <laughs> well, uh, to be honest, I think you missed something if you didn't see the Stephen King preface to the scene. Because he does a little, like, intro, and it's really great because it looks like his eyes are sh- kind of, like, t- going up. And it's like he's reading off a cue card or something. And then when he's, like, halfway done with what he's saying... It's like he's finished memorizing the rest of the cue card, and he looks back at the audience. So, like, for about a good 30 seconds, his eyes are, like, looking up at the top, and then all of a sudden he's looking at you. It was really bizarre. <laughs> but I was really uh, excited by it. Um, they showed you, uh, I guess, a two-to-three-minute two, two to three minute clip of the movie. And this is Georgie with his little paper boat. Yeah, going out and having, a, like, a first conversation with Pennywise. He kind of pops his head out of the uh, sewer. And uh, I thought it was just chilling. I thought it was fantastic. I'm super excited about it. That that little clip made me even more excited about it than all the awesome trailers we've had up till now. I, I agree, too, because I finally feel like I got a tone for feeling for what they're doing with it. Yeah, the interaction between... Because all the trailers, you haven't really seen any interaction of the evil force really with the kids, except from the kids all being frightened of it. So now we actually have a little bit of interaction, and it's, like, very chilling. I think it looks... Yeah, pretty fantastic. I, I like the fact that they didn't try to just mimic what Curry's performance was because I think that was probably in the back of a lot of people's minds. Like, are they kind of draw? You know, how can you compare to? Because everybody just thinks so much of Curry's performance in that movie, and I like the fact that he's doing something different with it. I like the fact that he seems more like a wild animal. Like, you, there's like even like a, a part in that where you, it looks like there's like a, he's drooling blood. You know, when he's talking to him, and just how he kind of goes silent in the one moment. I'm like, now he's nailing this. Like, he's totally capturing what I was picturing in my mind when I'm reading the book. Part of it is me going back and reading the book right now and seeing that. It's like, the thing about Curry is he was doing something really completely different than what was in the book. Like, what he does is kind of really cool and neat. But I think I was saying it's almost as if Curry in the book 
uh, or in the movie, his version of it is more like, or his version of Pennywise is almost like a sock puppet, sock puppet on right, its right. hand. You know, and he's kind of like he's a distraction. He's like, "Hey, kids, look at me!" And he's like dressed like a bozo mm-hmm. kind of clown character, and he's sort of like distracting the children away from what it really is. It's like the wriggling appendage of like a deep sea anglerfish or something. Yeah, exactly right. But he he never plays it as if there's not that much comparison to. I don't want to get into any spoilers for anyone who doesn't know the story that well, but there is more to it than the clown, and that really kind of comes up pretty early in the story. This isn't just a story about a murderous clown. I think that's safe to say. I think the trailers make that clear. Mm -hmm. But, so the clown's a manifestation. Curry plays it as a manifestation, but to me, the thing I liked about it, particularly seeing him as a kid, is had the opposite effect. I'm not really that scared of clowns. And Curry was so boisterous and so crazy that he kind of added levity to it. So where you would want to feel scared, mm-hmm. you were more like kind of laughing at like, man, look at him really getting <laughs> one over on these people. You know what I mean? Like he played it in typical Curry burn down the house style. You know, <laughs> I really like what he did, but it, it, the creature in it is a far darker thing. So what Skarsgård's doing, or at least it kind of seems, it's like you can see the thing that is it wearing the like clown suit in a sense. Like he's, yeah. he's yeah. not just playing a clown. He's playing a horrible, terrible thing pretending to be a clown and it makes right. me and like i actually almost felt my stomach drops just watching that scene because right. like that the young kid you know mm-hmm. again having kids it's sort of like the the innocent kid staying there and he's like he's playing it a little seedy and kind of almost suspicious like he's just you could see him like leering like i just want to like chew you to pieces like you can see it in his eyes right yeah it's kind of terrifying and i guess i didn't i saw the original costume and it didn't really dawn on me until i started to see the clips of him in action it's like He's a medieval Harlequin clown. Yeah, yeah. He's not like a 1950s clown. Like, which the 1950s clown image gives you the idea that it is exactly whatever the kids are imagining. And the Harlequin clown is sort of like, hey, when I showed up, this is what I picked. And I've been around so long, I've just kind of stuck with it. And, uh, you know, which gives him that feeling of being a little more ancient and creepy. Mm -hmm. But I think... The, the filmmaking and the way it was done it was just very disturbing very strong. a scene that I'm super familiar with that I have imagined millions of times right. in my head it's hard for those scenes to still cat to catch you off guard mm-hmm. and I kind of did to me I, I think it's going to be really good so um and it's um I think the cinematography looks great and I think it's uh Chung Hoon Chung who is doing that? And I think he was the cinematographer for Old Boy, The Hands Made Tale, Stoker. So I think, you know, regardless, this movie's going to look beautiful. Oh, yeah, I, it does. It looks great. And uh, and I I, I thought uh, Mama, the movie that Andrew Machete, the director, did previously, I, th- I liked it. I thought it was a decent enough little ghost movie. It wasn't amazing, yeah. but I thought it was fine. Well, let's get started with our actual uh, topic tonight, which again is... <laughs> Evil Dolls, which, I mean, I almost picked this in a sense because, to me, it's almost a ridiculous kind of a thing. Yeah. Like, uh, it would, again, people are afraid of things. They, they will be afraid of what they're afraid of. Uh, people talk about their fear of clowns. I, I can understand, but I don't I don't quite have that fear myself. Like, there's just not that apprehension, isn't there? Are you either one of you guys afraid of clowns? I was when I was uh. a child, but, you know. I know someone who stir- still is as an adult. I mean, there's yeah. some people that have like a striking fear of clowns, and I kind of surprised. My mother was a clown, quite literally, so <laughs> I probably had to adapt. Um, 
Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I was never really afraid of them either. Like, uh, there, there's some certain, like, obviously, like Pennywise and stuff like that. Even maybe the cloud from Super, that one episode of Supernatural. But other than that, yeah, it's, it doesn't bother me all that much. So, how about dolls or, or creepy toys? Because it's another thing that, to me, it's like I can see, like, I can see, understand that idea of dolls being creepy. But and again, it wasn't anything that ever really like made me super anxious or like you know I didn't walk into an antiques shop and start sweating or anything like that. I had a neighbor growing up who like lived in a really small house. I was just telling somebody about this the other day, and inside of like her living room, it was just stock full of like those three feet like tall porcelain dolls, the ones that like their eyes were like open and shut. So yeah, I'm not a huge fan of those things. Well. I think what is disturbing is that, yeah, people who have a large collection of them, they're kind of mm-hmm. a little freaky. But collecting... These are my children now. <laughs> yeah. That unborning stuff is a little freaky. Where they have, like, the oh, yeah. Actually, like, That's real weird. Like, Hold on. Excuse me, what? Unborning. <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's the thing where, like, ladies who are really obsessed with dolls and children... Please put this porcelain they get inside a, of me. No, they get it. Yeah. They, they just get a doll and they like spruce it up to the point where it looks like a legitimate like baby that they're taking with them outside and walking around and like... It's weird. It's very bizarre. I haven't seen that. I was recently over at the Avenue and I watched somebody pull up a, a little baby carriage and when I went to look in it, there was a pig inside of it. <laughs> like, a living, like a live pig. <laughs> so I don't know if that's like that or not. Uh, that's crazy. I'm not familiar with that, I feel like. We saw a uh, short film about it. It was like a six or seven minute short film. Oh, you're film right, where they yeah. would send the doll. That was. I thought that was like a mockumentary. That's real? No, that's real, yeah. Yeah, that's real. It's a real thing. They also had it in one of the segments of that um, movie about uh, people in Germany in the basement. I forget what it was Again, called, I but... thought all this stuff was sort of made up. No. Um, <laughs> it's It's real and it's disturbing. <laughs> truth is stranger than fiction talking about our surrealistic things <laughs> and i thought it was just i literally thought that was like almost like a mockumentary sci-fi or, or david lynchy kind of thing of like imagine if people like really no, did that's, this. that's well, what's legit don't you think though like not to get high-minded before we start talking about puppet master and child's play <laughs> but like isn't that probably where some of the creepiness comes in maybe with dolls and clowns like the clowns it's like it's the painted face you can't quite see like what's mm-hmm. underneath Right. So, you know, in a sense, like, a painted smile, so it's like, it's like somebody has something to hide, in a sense, or like... It's like the Uncanny Valley. Yeah, a, like, a clown is clearly a facade, like, it's meant to be artificial, mm-hmm. which King takes to his full extent by the facade is a horrible thing underneath of it. But, like, the the doll, to me, and I remember this when the Annabelle movie came out, to me, it's like... A doll is creepy, not because of, like, whether it can do supernatural things... But just the fact that it's a facsimile, and the more facsimile it is, the more real it looks like a person, Mm -hmm. the worse it is to me. Because it's like the closer you get, kind of the Uncanny Valley thing, but it's almost like what's creepy about it is it's a suggestion of something. Like when I look at a doll, I'm like, what were you thinking when you made this? Because if a doll looks creepy or sinister, it doesn't have to be sinister. What's spooky about it is that someone decided to make a doll that looks like it wants (laughs) to kill you. Like what were you thinking when you made this, the Annabelle doll in the Annabelle films is like, it was made to look horrible and evil, you know? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> Interesting you bring that up. I don't know if you want to talk about it later or not. Yeah, we, let's talk about that first because I think Annabelle in this current time that we're in, like, Chucky had his heyday back in the 80s, but I think the Annabelle doll is like, when you talk about creepy dolls, that's where people's mind go now because mm, right. of the Conjuring film. Um, 
Yeah, so I was thinking about specifically what that Annabelle doll is in real life. Like, so yeah, when and when you say that, uh, <laughs> you're talking about like the the Warns. The yes, they actually have a doll behind like plexiglass or something in their museum home, and that's supposed to be Annabelle that the movies are loosely based on. <laughs> and but, when you see the real doll, <laughs> it's actually yeah. Okay, so when I got the Conjuring, there was like a special feature like tour the Warren's museum or whatever. It was this cheesy looking thing, but they, they actually had, they would not let them film the actual image of Annabelle. Turns out it was a Bratz doll the whole time. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it w- it's a, But by the time Annabelle 2 came out, they were like, okay, I guess we should let the people see what Annabelle really looks like. And it's a Raggedy Ann doll. It is. It's just <laughs> a dirty looking Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah. It's pretty scuzzy looking, but I mean, other than that... Uh, in a way, I don't know what you guys think. In a way, that's a little creepier, particularly than yeah. Annabelle, because I feel like Annabelle's a little overproduced. Like, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, oh, totally. Like yeah. when I reviewed the movie originally, it was like it, it's it's got the moldering dress, it's all torn up. Like you don't need to hear about how it was involved in satanic rituals. You don't even need to see the first <laughs> it movie. It's bad luck. Like, why would you bring that into your house? Yes, like, right. <laughs> to me, the idea of this so. That Annabelle doll is creepy in the sense that it suggests malevolence without it necessarily mm. having to be malevolent. The Raggedy Ann doll being possessed by a demon is more compelling, I think. Yeah, Because yeah. it's this everyday thing that a child would pick up and would love, and now there's something sinister behind mm-hmm. it. That, to me, makes a more interesting movie, although it may not be as visually interesting. I, no, I agree with you. And uh, no, it's just my observation. But I thought the Annabelle opening of Conjuring was pretty effective. Yeah. Like, it was yeah. spooky, it was creepy, it had that almost scary stories to tell in the dark kind of feel, you know? Yeah. It certainly embellished, I think, you know, when you're dealing with Ed and Lorraine Warren, I'm of the personal opinion that they're shysters, but that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's they me. are. I'm with uh, you on that. And... Now, but the, I enjoy the fictional the, telling of their stories. The versions in the movie are interesting <laughs> people, but I just treat it as it is. Like you said, it's fiction. Yeah. Uh... I don't. I think they believe to an extent what the. I mean, I do think they believe what they're doing. I don't think they're quite completely like a, like a Benny Hinn level shyster. But right. I still think they're Jim shysters. Baker. Yeah, I think that their goal, as much as fame, is reinforcement of what they believe. You know, like yeah. that still that doesn't make you honest. It just makes you. Uh, it you you maybe are at least um, sincere. But uh, that being said. I think it's an interesting universe they've created. I don't think the first movie was very successful. No. Um, no. Mostly because how scary in a horror film can you make a doll unless it has powers or unless it moves around and does things. And Annabelle doesn't really move around or no. anything. It just kind of sits there and looks creepy and starts to mold. I mean, yeah. I've seen dolls do that. You know, like, that's been in the... I should have put that in the attic. Uh I've still got my My Buddy doll from back in the day. It's looking pretty scuzzy. And it looks like it could be possessed. But, I mean, in and of itself, the doll doesn't do anything. It doesn't move. Annabelle never goes anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, in its essence, it's just a demonic possession movie that happens to have a doll in it. That was my yeah, feeling about the first loosely film. In yeah. It. yeah, like Yeah, lots of creepy CGI monsters in the basement and stuff like that. I was not that enthused by the first movie. Uh, almost I'm, incomprehensible I'm, plot. Like, I didn't know what was going on. I'm down. I'm down for a killer doll movie. I just don't want to see like a demonic possession story when I think I'm going to see a demonic, like a, a killer doll. At a certain point, Annabelle turned into like paranormal activity for me when I was watching. This. Yeah, yeah. It was. It felt very like it, had, it was directed by the cinematographer of the Conjuring movies. It felt very much like cashing in on the Conjuring yes. movies. Uh, to me, I thought the brilliance of the beginning of the original Conjuring is that you encapsulated that doll in a little snippet story and then moved on. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You, you, you drained about all the creepiness you could out of it in that little bit, and yep. it was perfect. Didn't need to see the doll again, ever. I didn't even want to see the doll later on in the same movie, you know, where they kind right. of reveal it's in there and the Force might use it against them. I didn't need any of that. I don't... Annabelle, creepy, done. Don't need mm-hmm. a, a full movie. Now, Chris, you just saw the new one, Annabelle Creation. We talked earlier in the summer when we were doing our kind of summer preview that it's directed by the guy who did Lights Out, which I enjoyed. I thought was a yeah. fun horror movie last summer. Not a great one. Did you see it, Seth? No, I didn't. I see the. I saw the short it was based on, but I haven't seen the full movie. I'd say the full movie was still pretty good. Like, yeah, it's it right was day. enjoyable, you know, uh, 90 minutes. Yeah, it, perfectly uh, kind of a jump scare movie, but more original and more interesting than I would have expected it, like, just based yeah. on the premise. Like, they, they, they really play with the premise a lot. They do some fun stuff mm-hmm. with it, and I had a good time with it. Uh, you saw Annabelle Creation, though, Chris. Do you want to give us I a did. review? I took a, I took a leap of faith, and it was like, well, the first one was awful. How much worse could you get? <laughs> so... <laughs> I went to see it, and actually, I have to say, um, I kind of enjoyed it. I, I was kind of entertained by it, um, because unlike the first one, they actually had, like, decent characters that you kind of were interested in. Like, the first movie, the characters in that were just awful, lousy people. I didn't care about them at all. Like, and that really... They were like <laughs> ciphers. I think just, yeah. the problem with that one was I was falling asleep because it was so, like, uninteresting. <laughs> it was that fish I, in a barrel. Yeah. So, but anyway, this one, um, it has an interesting little backstory, um... It, it then you know this couple had a child and you know uns- sadly the child died and then later they kind of explain much later in the movie how things got to where they were but they hid away this doll this the father's a doll maker and he so makes this is really a prequel right we're oh talking, yeah it's this a prequel well, well before yeah, I'm the sorry I should have no that's that fine out. but I assume Annabelle creation kind of <laughs> Annabelle <laughs> oh, <the wretched>. yeah. <laughs> so yeah anyway like the the father is a, a doll maker you know. Um, the the child they had loved their dolls, you know, and so he gave her the very, I think he gave her the first, like, Annabelle doll or something uh, at the beginning. And uh, the movie progresses years later down the road after the child dies. The couple, I guess they feel they want to help the world a little bit, or maybe they're lonely for children, but they decide to take in girls from an orphanage um, to live in their house with them, as well as uh, a nun who kind of oversees them and stuff. So, uh, it's kind of cool, uh, creepy haunted house kind of vibe for a while. Annabelle gets mixed in. Again, this is a demonic possession kind of movie. So, Annabelle, once you see Annabelle doing it, it's usually just like creeping around a little bit. It's not the doll actually doing a lot of stuff. But, um, they do have some actually pretty creepy moments. Like, the first movie didn't do much for me at all in terms of scares. But they, they really tried harder, I think, on this one to build up a lot. And finally, by the, like the last half hour, they just go full nuts trying to give everybody a heart attack with the scare. So I think they were effective a little more on this one, uh, a little scarier. Um, so the story's cool. Um, the only problem I really had was, and this is not really a problem, but they, they tied in the like evil nun from Conjuring 2 because, you know, that's getting a spinoff. <laughs> yeah. So, it's getting a whole movie? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so not they... they they tied it in very, very loosely. Like, there was just... I think they just wanted... Is this like the George Lucas Star Wars universe? All these demons know no, each it, other? No, they've, they've I've, I've seriously heard them refer to this as the Conjuring universe. So the next film we're going to get is, like, the Upside Down Cross Retribution. Yeah, yeah something like that. There was, <laughs> again, was a lot, ton of Upside Down Crosses in this in, like, every frame, so... <laughs> Crooked Man, back in action. <laughs> <laughs> The clap game. Yeah, there was the, clap, a, the clap game. I think just that could be a different kind of it. movie. <laughs> That's an origin story. 
creepy scare here or there. They they threw in just like a moment where they're looking at like this old photo of these nuns and like she popped out in the picture frame. Like it was a cheesy uh, moment. I was like, why did you have to do that? And then if you wait through the credits, there's a little stinger. It's the stinger where like the nun and Annabelle are all at the interdimensional bar where all the demons <laughs> hang out and they're like, hey, we should all gang up and go to this house in Amityville. It'll be great. <laughs> Darth Maul from Insidious shows up. Yes, that was Darth Maul. He's playing the like organ grinder over in the corner. Yeah. He's just like playing Piano Man on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would, I would it's nine o'clock on yeah. a Saturday. All the tortured souls wonder in. <laughs> you know how they do those like mashup t-shirts of like there's a moldy doll things. sitting next to me <laughs> i could see them doing like a mashup t-shirt of conjuring like yes. creatures as like doing the last supper or something or or yeah, uh, yeah. Like the ever hopper painting nighthawks that's great um no so, i think there's nothing in here that's gonna really like um disappoint you it's it was just a fun hour and a half or so um it wasn't the greatest movie I've ever seen, but at the same time, like I actually was surprised that I was watching a fairly palatable movie in comparison to the first one. Like this is mu- this was a much much better movie because it actually was kind of scary at times. Well, Dave Samberg, the director, like when I heard he was on the project, it made me a little interested, but mm-hmm. not too much because honestly, last year everyone kind of went on about the Ouija Origin of Evil mm-hmm. kind of follow up. Which when I first saw the trailer, I was like, oh, it's a period piece. So mm-hmm. is Annabelle Creation looks like a bit of a period piece, a yeah, little totally. bit, and. I was interested in it, and I saw that um, the director on that one was uh, Mike Flanagan, who I enjoyed Absentia. wasn't as big a fan of Oculus, and Hush was okay. But when I saw the movie, I didn't really care for it. I know a lot of people were like, hey, this is pretty good. And it was better than the original movie, which I didn't even make it through. But it was still sort of (laughs) like the adjusted expectations here. So it wasn't even having a better director on it that initially kind of made me interested. Strangely, the thing that actually made me consider that it might be something to it, was when we were walking, uh, I think, Chris, you and I were on our way to some screening, and I walked past the poster in the Mm -hmm. theater, and I really just liked the image on the poster. Like, the original poster was exactly what you expect. The half of the the Annabelle face, the doll on the cover. Mm -hmm. This this, uh, poster was creepy. The girl standing in front of the well. Annabelle's only a small component of the picture. She's Mm -hmm. standing in front of the well. It's lit in a weird way. You've seen the poster, right, Seth? And it looks... Yeah. It's just yeah, a good kind of creepy cool. image. It kind of reminds me of like Lady uh, Lady in White or something like that. Like yeah, She's sitting definitely. there holding the doll. And I liked what you just said where it, it seems like you were implying that Annabelle is not a large part of the movie per se. She's a component of the movie. Absolutely. But it's not yeah. like based around her, which is kind of what I got from the poster is that Annabelle is one creepy component of what is essentially a ghost story involving kids, involving children. Yeah, like, it, it's definitely more, well... I don't want to say it's a kid's of, movie, but it's just a story involved. Yeah, because this is definitely rated R for some, like, gory yeah. stuff, but not a ton. Well, I mean, the but, same way The Devil's Backbone is a story about kids, even though it's not a yeah, kid's yeah, Right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, the, it's. I would say definitely it's worth your time for a matinee, because I had a lot of just fun going. It wasn't... It wasn't great. I'm still not going to say it's up to par with like The Conjuring and Conjuring 2, which I enjoyed both of those pretty well. I think they're pretty decent horror movies. So uh, it's a good afternoon uh, flick. That's you know? good to hear. It's more than I expected from it, honestly. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I, will, I will give it that. Maybe I'm giving it too much credit for being better than the first one. But um, I th- actually, there was times I, you know, it was got a little freaky, so I enjoyed it. I'm interested. I'd, I'd like to see it. Um, but I think, yeah, it sounds like a fun time. And I would like to catch it. I think 
the fact that you've just made it sound less like a doll movie and more like a kind of ghost story mm-hmm. probably also shows my hand in regards to how I really feel about evil doll movies in general, <laughs> which is like, I always feel like there needs to be some other kind of hook to them. And, and there's not always, that's not always the case. Um, what I'd now, like, I, just, I have to throw this in here, but I have to say before we go any further with the whole evil doll concept, I do have a rant about that, a mini rant. Go for it. I was thinking about because really I've been watching a bunch of these things. I don't care if you are a doll that's possessed by someone's soul. I don't care if, you know, you're a demon. You are still a little 12-inch doll or something like that. You're not going to be able to, like, knock people across the room or, like, do incredible feats of strength because you are this tiny little doll. Like, and yet every single movie they're doing ridiculous things. It's... Yeah. To me, the only horror in the doll concept, which is why I kind of mentioned the children thing, is I feel like... The possessed doll has one creepy component, which is it is a child's toy. It's supposed to be yeah. a vessel of innocence. It's supposed to be something that triggers a childlike imagination and is a positive experience for like a young kid. The fact that this thing is a doorway to something darker and uh, like can capture a child's vulnerability, I think is what makes the doll scary. Like mm-hmm. it's yeah. not necessarily scary to an adult per se or it shouldn't be scary to an adult i kind of think of um but it's it's that taking something innocent that should be innocent and childlike and kind of turning it on its head and that fear that parents sometimes have of being the guilt that kind of comes with giving your child something (laughs) that is the ultimate tool of their like corruption if you will and i think as a parent you're always a little concerned about that you know there's varying degrees and certainly people have exploited that feeling over the years with like wanting to make parents afraid of every single thing you know that Mm -hmm. uh kids are just gonna somehow be destroyed by the helicopter parents the helicopter parents there you go but like the uh I think that, to me, is where the fear comes in in a doll. I'm not... Uh, you need to have thousands of these things, I think, to really be, like, terrified. I was just thinking about, like, it. watching them... St- countless dolls stabbing people over the course of this week. Like, I, I can't imagine any... <laughs> a week well like, spent. <laughs> yeah, right? I can't imagine any doll, like, taking a knife and stabbing me with it and being successful. Like, I could feel, like, them stabbing... Trying to stab me with a knife and it bouncing against my skin and going, ow, that kind of hurt. But it didn't, you know, go all the way in. You know? Yeah, it, it has to be done well. Anyway, that was just annoying. I was like, that was kind of funny, but I can't see any of this happening. Well, I think the next one I'd like to talk about, because we're on the kind of James Wan who did The Conjuring mm-hmm. and Amba, and we're kind of that modern dolls movie. There was a movie from, I think about 2006, 2007, Dead, right. Dead Silence. Uh, did you guys see this movie? Yeah. Yeah. This is more like marionette kind of dolls, which I still think count. Which to me, I will give you this: I think marionette dolls are scarier or creepier than yes, yes. absolutely. Because uh, there's something weird about that whole contraption, like the mouth moves and the, mm-hmm. the wooden arms, and the fact the ventriloquism aspect of that, where you have someone kind of maneuvering the doll and making it talk and using it as sort of apparatus, this artistic extension of themselves. That to me has potential for creepiness, and yeah, I think right. we've. I think there are more successful movies in that vein. Uh, we could talk about some of those and a couple of TV episodes and stuff. But Dead Silence has a pretty good pantheon of creepy marionette dolls. There's one named Bill or Billy at the center of mm-hmm. the story, uh, and we have this old creepy crone, if you will, who's kind of involved with it. I thought all the doll creations were pretty, were relatively spooky. 
The mm-hmm. tone of yeah. the movie spooky. One, it come off of Saw at that point. I actually think Dead Silence is a little bit better movie than Saw because I'm honestly not yeah. a fan of Saw. I thought mm-hmm. Saw was an over overproduced MTV kind of movie to me. Uh, <laughs> it's I mean, cheesy too. Yeah, yeah, it's cheesy. Dead Silence wasn't cheesy, but it's a strange kind of feeling where it's almost like too respectable. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. And you want you want it to be kind of darker and creepier and almost a little more. B movie lurid than it is, oh, lurid, yeah. but in terms uh-huh. of like, and it just kind of it it almost it has this feeling of a very much to start with like an older style movie, and yeah. it was reminding me of a different doll movie, uh, not a, with a portmanteau or an anthology movie that the Ealing British Studios did in the forties called Dead of Dead of Night, and there was a segment involving this marionette, and this marionette doll is super creepy. And what's cool about that short story? Nothing particularly supernatural. There's always a question of whether the marionette is doing anything or it's just sort of a cipher for someone's psychologically broken mind. Mm. To me, that's way creepier. Uh, They use the natural creepiness of the doll and they keep it to that. Dead Silence basically, just like Annabelle, breaks down to a lot of like supernatural nonsense. It doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense to me as a story. You know what it reminds me of is... um... Not so much in like the the plot of the film, but just kind of in the tone of what you're talking about. It kind of reminds me of that Darkness Falls movie, like the Tooth Fairy movie. It actually, totally. the, yeah. that was what I was thinking was, while watching it because they have the rhymes and they try to build the backstory for the old yeah. movie. And it's like, and it does. It's about as successful as that, which is to say, not very. Like yeah. it's not. <laughs> it's not particularly scary. It's not particularly spooky. It honestly feels like a longish episode of like, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Right. Yeah. It's not a kids horror movie. I should mention that, but it's kind of tepid. Like it doesn't really, yeah. it doesn't do anything truly scary. It doesn't to me. It doesn't have the jump scares aren't very interesting. The characters aren't that interesting, and the story just doesn't go anywhere. Uh, but it's creepy dolls. They look creepy. The production looks nice. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree. That's dead silence. <laughs> I already nailed it. <laughs> so what is? Let me ask you guys then. Let's talk some good, good killer doll movies, and we can get, yes. get all the rest later. And we'll probably kind of do this in kind of rapid fire, uh, so we don't, you know, if we have ones we want to talk about a little more, we can. There's, of course, some of the big ones, but uh, Chris, how about you? Can you think of one you've seen that you really liked or you thought was effective, whether that be an actual movie or like an episode of a TV show or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I have always been a fan of the uh, Twilight, Twilight Zone episode, The Living Doll. Like, that is probably, yeah. to me, the fa- grandfather, great-grandfather of all this stuff, and is probably the best at it. Um, I would, yeah, I can see that. I love that episode. Yeah, it's fantastic. I had to rewatch it, because it had been a while since i seen it, I was like, I need to rewatch this, it's a great episode, and it still holds up so well. Yeah. You know? uh, but it's got the, you know, the, I had completely forgotten there was, like, this weird psychological subtext to it, where, the, like, the dad is seeing this doll as, like, the wife <laughs> insulting him because he can't give her another right. child. And it's like... It's all kind of psychological. Yeah, and Telly Savalas is playing... That's right, Telly Savalas. The father, which he adds just a whole nother level to it because of, like, mm-hmm. kind of seems like... He seems like a guy that isn't necessarily... I hate to say so, but he doesn't seem like he's purposefully a bad guy. Mm-hmm. But he's always perturbed. He's always focusing on his failings and everything, mm-hmm. which is honestly how I think a lot of abusive, domestic abuse situations develop over time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like oh, mentally and and kind of psychologically abusive to his family. Yeah. 
until the doll comes into the picture. <laughs> and he ain't the boss no more. <laughs> and all it does is say a couple couple choice words here or there. I mean, it's, yeah. it's so funny that the doll is like, I'm, you know, and we just, this... Uh, Gets under his skin so This bad. actress, she was the voice of um, Rocky the Flying Squirrel. Oh, really? Just a few weeks ago passed away, and she right. does the voice of Talky Tina and says, uh, you know, I'm Talky <laughs> Tina, and I love you, except that when Savalas picks it up, it says, I'm Talky Tina, and I hate you. Yeah. And then eventually we get to, I'm Talky Tina, and I want to kill you. Yeah. The doll doesn't do a whole lot more than that, but mm-hmm. Savalas, he kind of becomes on a quest to destroy it, and you get this theme that kind of runs through some of the movies where the Twilight Zone episode plays up the fact that it is just a doll but yeah. in the fact that he keeps trying to destroy it, and it just keeps kind of coming back. And just knowingly, he's like, I'm still going to kill you, like, <laughs> no matter what you do. <laughs> There's no way out of your fate right now. So, Well, that inevitability, that fatalism is, like, rampant through the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Like, it's, uh... That's a, that's a, I think that's my favorite all-time, like, the killer doll kind of thing. And it does exactly, I think, what we were mentioning earlier, which is... The supernatural component is less supernatural and more just sort of mysterious. Yeah. You know, like the doll itself doesn't do anything, doesn't teleport, doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It could all be in his mind, in a sense. It just plays off the creepiness of mm-hmm. this child's toy is telling you your time is up. That's absolutely true. I mean, like, I never considered that before, but now you think about it. You really could watch that episode and think this is all in his head, and that's exactly what happens. Like, you know. Yeah, he gets kind of crushed. You never see the doll do anything. It's, yeah. That's an interesting perspective. All the things that are kind of pushed, like, that he is trying to lord over and hold on to and control his family with, the doll just represents basically the uh, the unpredictability. Like, he keeps throwing that back in his face, and he's eventually, like, undone by it. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Seth? What uh, What's your favorite? Oh, it's hard for me to pick a, a favorite one. Um, you know, I, I I have an affinity for stuff like Puppet Master and obviously like the Chucky, the Child's Play movies I like a lot too. Um, if I if I had to nail it down, um, there there's another really good episode of the Twilight Zone with a ventriloquist puppy puppet. I can't remember what the name of that one is, but I really like this one episode of um, Tales from the Crypt with Bobcat Goldthwait. I don't know why. It's not really even a scary episode. Thinking this just now. Bobcat and Don Rickles. Yeah, Don Rickles is in it too. This is one of my favorite Tales from the Crypt episodes, hands down. And it's got it's got such a great twist at the end of it, like Tales from the Crypt always does. But there's something so like th- there's there's some genuinely creepy parts in that episode, and just like the way that Bobcat like acts it out. Like I really really enjoy that episode a lot. Set that one up just a little bit, Seth. Like in terms of the basic, the basic premise. So th- this guy is, uh, I, I, if I'm remembering correctly, he's kind of like an apprentice to like Don Rickles, who was this, you know, great ventriloquist that everybody's like a huge fan of, and uh, he. Um, Bobcat's character, I, I guess he's you know trying to like learn the ways of it, and you know he's not doing really all that well until. He takes, you know, the, takes the puppet that Rickle's character was using before, and then the puppet starts kind of coming to life, you know, and kind of doing the act with him. So he starts becoming a little bit more famous with with the puppet, and uh, then you get this kind of crazy reveal at the end as to where uh, the, uh, I guess, magic behind this puppet is really coming from. 
<laughs> yeah, it's pretty mm-hmm. crazy. It's like you said. I don't think many Tales from the Crypt episodes were legitimately scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I personally didn't think. I think the Creep Show movie had more creepiness to it than Tales from the Crypt was almost like a dark comedy most of the time. Yeah, they're usually yeah. And I feel like they fun. just play that up with Rickles and Bobcat. And it's interesting to take two comedians, like a younger mm-hmm. kind of comedian. that And Bobcat, when he's in this, I mean, his comedy shtick was kind of run, had run its course, I think, by the yeah, time yeah. you get to this Tales from the Crypt episode. Rickles, on the other hand, was still pretty much doing his shtick all the <laughs> yeah. way up until he passed away last year, really. You know, Rickles was just sort of, was his stick, sort of embodying it, which is kind of funny when you think of the ultimate twist of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Deeply a part of who he is. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Like I think yeah, that episode is episode. fun uh, and pretty cool. That one, that the whole episode is on YouTube. If you guys want to search for it, yeah, and I, I can put a, a, a link to that as well. Yeah, let's talk some of the TV ones because I think you know what. Even when I saw the Annabelle movie, I feel like the evil doll thing lends itself well to a short subject. Like, Absolutely, you kind of yeah. get in, yeah. you play the concept up with some of the creepiness, and then you kind of get out. And there's been a lot of those. Like you said, there was the Twilight Zone episode. There was one also about the dummy, which was a little bit different, but the way it used the dummy was interesting. Uh, There was this episode. Do you guys remember Amazing Stories? Oh, yeah. The Steven Spielberg, he did some of those, right? Really enjoyed them. It didn't last very long. It was about two seasons. I think you can find some of these online. Uh, But they had an episode. This, This doesn't maybe fall in the evil doll category, but it falls into the weird use of a doll. There's an episode starring John Lithgow, and Lithgow is kind of like what you would imagine, where he's like the, the like, unmarried kind of strange uncle who you know he buys the doll, buys a doll for his niece, but when she gets it, it's like she's a little too old for dolls, you know. But it's yeah, a really nice. Yeah. He went to this toy maker who's made this very exquisite doll that looks like a little who looks like a woman. She it's she's. Uh, dressed very specifically and she uh looks like a little person we talk about this like three feet dolls it's like that it's very kind of lifelike well lithgow takes it back home he's going to return it and he puts it in the corner's house and he starts to develop a relationship of sorts with the doll <laughs> the doll doesn't speak and it, it doesn't get creepy creepy but he's like a lonely dude who sits it at the table and has dinner with it and feels sort of like affixed to it and the story because it's Spielberg and Amazing Stories, it tends to have a milder kind of bent. So this isn't necessarily heading towards tragedy. But where the story goes, it, he starts to kind of figure out that more than this just being a doll, it's been modeled after an actual real live person that's out there. So as he becomes more fixed with the doll, he starts to wonder about who the person is that the doll's been modeled after. And there's a lot of different directions this story could obviously take. I will... I will not spoil it except to say it doesn't take the worst possible route uh, that a story like that could go. Uh, it's interesting. It's weird just watching Lithgow. To me, it's almost creepier than half of these scary doll things to watch Lithgow sitting in his little small apartment cutting the steak for the little like the little female doll sitting across the table from him. Because let's face it, Lithgow is good at playing like a weird kind of disaffected character a little bit. Yeah. I want to give a I want to give a honorable mention because it turns out to not be like an evil doll per se, but to that Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode with Sid the Mannequin doll. Oh yeah, that? from season one. Well, do you remember this set? Did you ever watch any Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I have not seen any of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so I'm probably gonna get massacred right now. 
I would say massacred, but I resisted too. Like when you were telling about because I saw. Funny enough, the only episode I ever saw of the show originally was the one you just mentioned. Was the <laughs> uh, but the, actually no, I'd see, I saw like the first half of the very first episode when it came on. I watched it. And I was like, this is all right, and I saw that episode, mm-hmm. which basically tries to turn that on its head. The idea of the of the evil dummy, mm-hmm. and so for a while you're wondering if the dummy is doing the, the the death thing. So the only thing I'll say for anyone who's listening to this for some reason actually hasn't watched it, Seth. Uh, is actually like give it a chance. I think you'll be surprised. Like for a long yeah. time, like you kind of have to get through the first season, just like Supernatural. Yeah, legitimately a good show. That's what I've heard about it. I'm yeah. not a like Joss Whedon like fanatic at all. Like Chris yeah. knows, I'll you know I admit that some of the stuff he does irritates me. But <laughs> I think this was surprisingly good. Once we got through the first season, Jen and I just kind of binge watched. And this was only a few years ago. I actually, Seth, uh, I started off with the idea of like this has got to be the most horrible show on tv <laughs> i actually hated it before i watched any of it i thought this was the dumbest thing i've ever heard of and i never watched any of it i played a video game and i was like wow these characters are actually pretty funny i like the dialogue so let me just check out a little of this and then i became hooked because the show was just was just like the video game with like crazy dialogue and cool character development and it's just a great show you have to check it out yeah it's not unlike the whole supernatural thing where yeah, yeah. you see this and you're like, it looks like a CW show with a couple of himbos yeah. fighting monsters <laughs> like on the road. And then you realize there's a lot more to it. And Supernatural owes a lot to Buffy the mm. Vampire Slayer, I think. But uh, that's like a whole episode <laughs> on itself. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think some of the others, Tales from the Dark Side had a few. They did one really weird one called the Giesen Stacks. Do you guys remember this? No. This no. had dealt more with an entire dollhouse with little dolls. And the family started to realize that there were a lot of strange, unnerving similarities between the little girl's dolls and the various members of the family. <laughs> and as it starts to, as the episode goes on, the problem with Tales on the Dark Side is they would often start an episode with an interesting twist or an interesting concept, and then they wouldn't know what to do with it, you know? And then, like, yeah. minutes goes by and they just do something random, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> Uh, and this is not this is just like that it, it gets to a certain point and you're like what the heck just happened here uh, so I think almost any show has an episode where you have to throw in the killer doll yeah. the last one I want to talk about is the X-Files mm-hmm. did an episode oh yeah that Stephen King had kind of written for them that's right gimmick yeah it, it was called Chinga and it involved a China doll creepy to me this doll's creepier than Annabelle but it's kind yeah. of that same sort of thing with Annabelle mm-hmm. this one I can almost buy the creepy supernatural element because the doll seems to have this ability to convince you to kill yourself if I remember it correctly like creepy music starts to play mm-hmm. and usually horrible horrible things happen to you once yeah. the yeah. doll has it in its mind to do something to you and uh I don't think this is necessarily one of the best episodes of the X-Files, but it definitely plays up that New England setting. It has, to me, it's almost like an extension of the of the Living Doll episode of okay. Twilight Zone. Like, in a sense where, like, there's the doll, you've got the little girl who's kind of, like, bonded to it, and you've got, when adults encounter it, bad things tend to happen. They do play up the supernatural a little bit. Do you guys remember this one at all? Yeah, yeah I, I remember yeah, this one. I thought it was pretty good, right? They, yeah. It came in when I thought was probably one of the best seasons of the X-Files, which was season five, which gave us yeah. a lot of, like, to me, memorable, episodes, yeah. memorable episodes, and that was one. Oh, man. And then we kind of just, I mean, well, the Zuni doll. Let's talk to Zuni doll. Oh, yeah. The, which is still the anthology thing. They're... Uh, uh, Trilogy Dan- of Terror was a uh, TV movie, wasn't it? It was a TV movie. So technically were, this works. There were two TV movies. There was Trilogy of Terror and then Trilogy of Terror 2 in like 97 or something. 
and not nearly as good. No. Uh, but it just it basically brought the Zuni doll back and just repeated, rehashed the same episode. <laughs> so when we, we're talking Zuni doll, we're talking uh, this, this African Zuni fetish doll, which is a strange little, kind of looks like a marionette, kind of has a knife, looks like crazy sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, in a weird way, it ha- it does look like tribal art kind of. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of what it is in the context of the story. It's shipped to this woman who, in three stories, and Karen uh, Black plays every character in each story. And then this third story, she opens this box. She's got this sent to her, uh, like this uh, African artifact or something. And, of course, it basically just starts trying to kill her. <laughs> and this is that, like, again, kind of like with Savalas, it's like the continual... And I think Matheson, Richard Matheson, wrote a lot of Twilight Zone episodes, also wrote this segment. With- yeah, yeah, he did. And it's kind of funny and weird just to watch her keep trying to destroy this thing, like, over and over and over and over again. It's a great-looking creature, too. Like, the doll looks great. It is. Yeah. It's a great design, and it's kind of a little bit stop-motion-y, if I remember correctly. I, yeah. It's on yeah, Amazon yeah. Prime right now, I think, Trilogy of Terrorists, so if anyone wants to check it out. Uh, the first two stories are not great, I'd say. They're okay. Yeah, the Zuni doll story is really what you watch it for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's on the cover and everything, and it's a good segment. It's fun. It's kind of like how Trick or Treat, like, once you get to the little Sam character fighting Brian uh, Cox, it's oh, like that's yeah. the kind of centerpiece of, the, of that movie. It's the same way here. You kind of watch it for that. <sighs> Do you guys remember Dolls? Just a movie straight up Dolls. Yes. Yeah, I remember Dolls. I do. I have not seen this one, but I know I've run across it. In I think this was. Store. I think Charles Band and company were sort of involved in this. It is actually a Stuart Gordon movie. Oh. Gordon, who did, uh, and this was coming on the heels of Reanimator and From Beyond. So then, I think he did those two, and then he did Dolls. And in comparison to those two movies, Dolls looks like, uh, you know, like an episode of Romper Room or something. I mean, it's yeah. a little bit more benign. Uh, they've kind of brought out a collector's edition of it recently and stuff, and I had not seen it in a long time. I didn't. I didn't have a lot of positive thoughts associated with it, uh, mostly because I remembered it having a weird tonal shift of like being very goofy, being almost a kid's movie, but then also being violent and rated R and dolls sawing people's <laughs> legs off and stuff. So a very weird dichotomy. Also, I think I mixed it in a little bit with Puppet Master because it has a lot of similarities to Puppet mm. Master. It's almost like the template. Yeah. Yeah. And then I let, let's make something crappier and cheaper <laughs> And we'll call it Puppet Master. What did you think about Dolls, uh, Seth, when you saw it? I I don't hate it. I, I mean, I, I liked it for what it was. It was it's kind of silly, but I don't know. Like it's it's definitely got a. If you can say one thing for the movie Dolls, it has an awesome poster with the doll holding like the eyes. I think like, yeah you know, on the cover. So the movie's actually kind of like. It's, it's funnier than I remembered it being. It's also creepier than I remembered it being. There's, the two elements that I thought didn't jive well worked a lot better for me when I rewatched it. It's actually not a bad little horror movie. Um, it's a little bit modest, but it's interesting. You have these characters. It's the classic everyone shows up at the old dark house sort of at this one yeah. moment. And it's uh, this old couple. It's Guy Rolf who is in the Puppet Master movies and plays Andre Toulon. And I think he's in the third one where they fight the Nazis. Yeah. Hopefully we can get in and out on that series. I don't know. Quickly. I think uh, yeah, they're yeah. still doing that by the tenth and twelfth. Yeah. So, so I don't. I don't know how much Rolf I think must have passed away before they had the end. But he and his wife are this old couple who run this sort of like uh, 
hotel kind of place that is filled with creepy dolls. They're all yeah. over the place. And the interesting thing about this movie, it has the tone of a fairy tale almost because yeah, it does. dolls aren't just indiscriminately killing you. They sort of, there's a rhyme or reason there. And it's a very moralistic in the sense of you have this young girl who has the father who just doesn't seem to care much about her and the kind of almost wicked stepmother. And they're, they're more like they're just like, kind of cruel but in an absentee sort of way not so much the same way you'd see a mate necessarily a fairy tale evil stepmother but point is you've got this little girl she comes there and she starts to see the dolls moving then this other guy who's like i was telling uh seth before it's like when i re- think back on the movie i couldn't remember whether it was like george went or dom de Louise who played right. the main character because he had he's actually plays it like he does double takes like almost like uh <laughs> Like 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 a Bud Abbott style double takes. Yeah. Did, did, did I see what I think I saw? Kind of stuff. Like there's a lot of slapstick. Wouldn't you agree, Seth? That, like yeah, oh definitely. The dolls are shooting their little guns and stuff at him, and he's running around like like a giant child. Like that's part of the story. Like you know, yeah. the dolls are looking for the heart of a child, and this guy's running around like he's trying to protect the girl. And it's a goofy movie. The dolls yeah, are stop motion, though. They do stop motion effects Excellent. for the dolls, and they're pretty good. Like it looks yeah. pretty cool. The the design on the film is good. Like Gordon's a pretty good director, so he makes it look pretty good. Like there's nothing yeah. to really dislike about it. The only thing I think my issue with it is it just doesn't quite ever. It it has, like I said, the feel of almost like a kid like horror movie like the gate or something but it's just a little too yeah. for that the whole concept's yeah. a little twisted like the morals of the thing are a little twisted <laughs> but it has that morals of a fairy tale but it's also just not quite it never goes enough to be scary and doesn't go enough right, to be right. like a full-blown mm-hmm. horror comedy yeah. that you'd want to show the the target audience but i i right. i liked it i'd actually recommend it it's on dvd if you're someone who enjoys horror movies i'd say look for it it's pretty good yeah yeah definitely can we? Is there how much do we need to say about Puppet Master? Like, other than there's like fifty of these movies. Here's here's what I'll say about Puppet Master because I've I've seen a lot of them. <laughs> um, the, the designs of the puppets are cool. You you only really need to see one or two of them to get the idea of the series because they pretty much repeat themselves throughout the entire series. Yeah, the first two, maybe the third one, and then after that, it's exactly the same plot pretty much the entire way through. But, I mean, the thing I like about Puppet Master is I I just really like the design of the dolls. I don't think they're really creepy. I just think they're kind of cool. It it feels less of, like, a horror movie, because sometimes the dolls are good, sometimes the dolls are bad. Like, I I don't know. It's it's a weird series. It is, and they're always fighting, fighting Nazis a good portion of the time, at least. Right. <laughs> yeah, the first two films, the dolls are definitely like evil little dolls. But it, we were talking about this before we started recording. Full Moon, which is Charles Band, who, again, I think produced and was behind dolls. And he did movies like Troll and stuff like that. And so they had Empire Pictures. And that eventually becomes Full Moon Pictures. And they almost are like the first people to pitch this. Like, a, like everyone talks about the, what do we call it now? The, like, expanded universe or the... <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, well, but, but now, you know, the... The Universal Cinematic Universe, yeah, or dark you know, universe. combine, you know, whatever terms you want to use. This basically, Full Moon was doing that on like a scraps budget, Zero like a no down. budget. Yeah. yeah, they had great ideas. They would often just make the posters. There would be posters for movies. There are posters for movies that don't exist that looked awesome. Uh, yes, they were yeah. great at making like creepy posters. Yeah, sometimes, and they would never be a movie, and so. 
And they did a lot of doll movies. Oh, uh, yeah. We'll get in. Yeah. But Puppet Master, you're right. They, it, they, they took a comic book approach to making these. But unfortunately, few of them are as good as, like, a comic book. But you had Leech Woman who had pe- mm-hmm. leeches out on you. You had Pinhead who had, like, this body of, like, a... Look like a some kind of like th- bruiser thug, and yeah. then a little pinhead in the middle, and blade. Is, of course, let's let's talk about that guy because I feel like that was the laziest choice they could have made because you could just use a person's normal hands in that you wouldn't have to make a like actual puppet for bingo. His hands. I like, think that's how they pitched it. Yeah. Then you have <laughs> Torch, who's like you know has this medieval look and his flamethrower for an arm. Now I did only see the first one, and I have to ask, what was the point of the one that's like? Head was in three different chunks, and they'd spin around at different times, but he never killed anybody. Oh, uh, uh, that's Jester. I don't even know. It's just like he's just there. He was. <laughs> he's like the Aquaman of the team. We don't really. Yeah. He doesn't do yeah. anything special. I, 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 I do have to send a picture, Nathan. You can post this along with the podcast if you want. But actually, when I was like ten or eleven, I dressed up as Blade for Halloween. It's funny. Uh, Blade's yeah. the one we didn't mention, which he's he's yeah. definitely the creepiest. Yeah. He has like a little. Uh, it's almost it's like, like a, a mask, face. a porcelain yeah. mask, but it looks like a skull, too. And he has a little black yeah. fedora yeah. and a little, like, trench coat, sort of, and then blades for hands. Oh, you and almost had a scary parry there for a minute. It kind of, no, yeah, it's not unlike that, really, actually, now that you mention it. <laughs> um, but the third film does give him, like, a backstory, like an origin for, like, where he comes from. Like uh, the the Nazi story, do you remember that, Seth? Like, kind yeah, of give yeah. a whole background for him. And I it's, lo- it's not these it, these are not great movies. Like, don't go into them expecting to be scared or like expecting like, oh, this is such a cool movie. But I don't know, ten year old me liked. <laughs> There's yeah, I mean, I I think the the selling point is the dolls themselves on this thing. I think we should oh, also yeah. make the yeah. this is kind of the problem with I think a lot of full moon movies, and I think this is where we have that caveat. The problem with film movies is they were made mostly, like you said, for that 10 to 11, 12-year-old thing. But they were always rated R. They always had, like, yeah. nudity that yeah. didn't need to be there. Yeah. And and, I, and yeah. I don't feel like these are movies made for, like, that teenage set. Like, they're almost too goofy for that. There's a lot of gore and stuff. Like, these, if Ban had just made them, like, the PG-13 movies that they so want to be, I think he would have had, been more successful with them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because... Like, I well, I think you could have pitched them a lot easier, like, got them into theaters and stuff. And, I mean, they are what they are. They were probably only going to be so good to begin with. I heard but, for a while the one uh, Paramount uh, was partnering with them on some of the Puppet Masters, and they didn't like the Leech Woman. So, for, like, a good portion of the series, Leech Woman disappears. And then finally she shows up later again in the series after he's, like, back to just straight up full moon doing what they want to do. Well, what's interesting, too, the first movie... Andre Toulon is very much like the the evil doll collector character. You know, he's the mm-hmm. one who's behind the puppets. And Guy Roth is the kind of dark leader of the dolls in uh, uh, Dolls. Then the third movie comes along where you kind of make Andre Toulon a little more sympathetic. So he's got yeah. the dolls in, yeah. in Nazi Germany and he creates them. And it's a story where he's kind of trying to protect people with the dolls. So it's the dolls are heroic in that one. He's heroic. And they basically stay heroic for most of the rest of the series at that point. Yeah. The basic, the Blade and all of those characters are fighting evil Egyptian demon, <laughs> demon dolls that this evil, like, demon lord that looks like uh, that four-armed guy from uh, Goro from Mortal Kombat, basically. <laughs> like, it's really cheesy looking. But William Hickey from... 
from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, you know, the blessing, and the guy from the Cat yeah. from Hell, like, yeah. he's Andre Toulon in the first movie. <laughs> so. That's right. So it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. You, Seth is exactly right. They're just bargain basement kind of movies. We talked about, and Chris, we were talking, Full Moon at a certain point gets cheaper and cheaper as it goes along. Oh, yeah. The oh, first yeah. three movies are movies. You get to Puppet Masters 4 and 5, they're almost just like one movie that they pad out with scenes from the other yeah. movie. It's a clip show. It is. It is. And they did this with several movies. Yes. They wanted to make, they turn around and do a movie called Demonic Toys shortly after mm-hmm. Puppet Master, which is pretty cheesy. I think uh, great actor actors like Tracy Scoggins, I think, end up in uh, <laughs> Demonic Toys. And did you see this one, Seth? I've seen it, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. almost seem embarrassed to admit that. <laughs> and this one has like an evil baby doll. They have this clown, yeah. this jack-in-the-box clown that literally looks like they just took one of the killer clowns from outer space. Yes, and jammed it. Like, yeah, yeah. Stuffed, stuffed it in the box. Like, hey, here, <laughs> found this laying in the, the effects house. No one's going to miss it. <laughs> and uh, there's like an evil teddy bear, of course. <laughs> there's an evil baby and, you know, uh, it's just stupid. <laughs> just try- <laughs> it is stupid. To like bring about like the resurrection of a demon lord or something yeah the it's first ridiculous. movie has a young boy who wants to like impregnate tracy now, scoggins or something it's a very bizarre don't don't knock don't knock the franchise because i the mean franchise. by the time by the time we get to doll man versus demonic toys phil fondacaro is in that one and you know i love phil fondacaro yeah he did a couple movies for full moon he has a movie for <laughs> full moon called deformed freaks where this the concept's funny this mad scientist wants to take all the great literary monsters and bring them out of the books Dracula, Frankenstein. That's why he wants to do it. Just wants to do it, and he why does a it. Great man, want to do anything. But the formula he uses to bring the creatures out, he mixes the wrong like amount. They all come out as little people. So like, <laughs> Phil Fondacaro is playing Dracula. Now that's like for the whole movie, and he's see. legitimately trying to play Dracula like seriously. And of course, they're a fish out of water. So like, Wolfman and Frankenstein, little three foot versions of them running around doing stuff. And this is another one that is almost a kid's movie, but they got to throw in like the topless librarian or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I don't understand it, but it's it's a weird idea for a movie. Speaking of uh, speaking of Full Moon alumni, I'd be afraid to see what David Dakota would do for some kind of demonic toy movie. Oh, is he the one that, that now makes basically like... Uh... <laughs> Soft gay porn movies or gay fetish films. I see movies where it's like you'll see the covers of some of these movies, and it's just a bunch of like topless guys and Bigfoot standing yeah. behind them or yeah. something like that. This is a whole niche we're better not going. Uh, That's going a rabbit hole so. I want to go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like none of the full moon doll movies are very good. Chris, you also watched Evil Bong no. versus Ginger Dead Man. Oh, hey, to be fair, it's Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong. Oh, okay. okay. So, so there are there is a top billing. Okay. So right, this, right. this one, the other reason I watched it, I was like, well. It is, you know, normally a lifeless thing brought to life that couldn't possibly harm you in real life. So I'll watch it. It kind of fits the theme. So yeah, you got an evil bong, and you've got a uh, killer cookie, Ginger Dead Man. And interestingly enough, it's called Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong, but you never see them fight one another. So <laughs> I think one of the evil bong movies, actually, they get so starred for like material that they bring in like jack death from trancers just to jam him into the evil bong, evil bong movie i believe um, it. The, i think the first one had uh, uh cheech from cheech and chong in it that does not surprise me yeah. at all um we got some others here we have to well, talk I, I, I have to say one thing about it the ginger dead man i did see the first one of that and i did see the first evil bong and i saw them combined with this one 
but with the first Ginger Dead Man, Gary Busey was in it, you know, as a voice of the Ginger <laughs> Dead Man. By the time they got to Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong, they had gone from using a full puppet for the Gingerbread Man to, like, having a puppet and then just, like, replacing the mouth with, like, <laughs> someone speaking, like, video of someone's mouth. You mean, like, like, the way, like, uh, Annoying Orange or whatever, where you just... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. like, wow, they have gotten so cheap on these things. Like, so, does Gary Busey remain the Gingerbread no, Man? somebody else. Like, he eventually... I don't know where in the franchise he jumped out. Ted but... Levine as Ginger Dead Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, okay, we've got to talk Doll Man versus Demonic Toys for one second because I suffered through that, too. That was, like, an hour-long movie. Some of these movies are short, really short. Um, Doll Man is a police officer from another planet that gets stuck on Earth. His other planet, however, all the people there are, like, 12 inches tall. So when he comes to Earth, he's like this tiny guy. Amongst yeah, it's like the Twilight Zone conceit where they would often have people come to planets yeah. and be of different size. So I guess somehow along the lines, he you know gets caught up. He's like, hey, there's this. I saw in the newspaper a beautiful woman shrunken down to a small size. I should go meet her. So he goes and meets her, and that was apparently from another movie that I hadn't seen. Yeah. So this is their extended universe. Bad channels was a movie about <laughs> aliens that take over radio waves and shrink women down. Do you remember this one, Seth? Yes. Blue Oyster Cold had several music videos that jammed in. Wow. Because um, they had clips of that from. They had clips of Demonic Toys and Doll Man and that movie all jammed in. Yeah. Like half of it is So clipped. instead of taking all these characters and making it like an original movie, and again, like you said, this movie's only an hour and four minutes like to begin yeah. with, uh-huh. they just basically spend the first like two thirds of the movie recapping each of the original yeah. movies and then they bring all the characters together for like 20 minutes at the end I was to impressed. like do stuff that when they finally get everybody together i was only impressed with one thing and that they actually had like large scale versions of the demonic toys fighting a normal sized human being like they actually had people in costumes playing the toys at certain which point. makes you wonder what good is doll man who is like right. 12 inches tall. He has a giant gun. Now, here's the other lazy part about that I think is we should mention. I just mentioned Jack Death, played by Tim Thomerson, who probably one of Charles Band's best movies is Trancers. Have you guys ever seen Trancers? No. Yeah, I like Trancers. Trancers is good. And actually, yeah. Trancers 2 is pretty good, too. I know that's too. a franchise, too, though, because I saw a bunch it of It is. Helen movies. Hunt was in the first two. Wow. The, this, uh, maybe she had a bit in the third one. But the first two are actually pretty good, pretty fun movies. Like, a nice mix of comedy and sci-fi. They're low budget, but they're good. And... The second one was made fully under like the full moon banner, but Dollman is played by Tim Thomerson as yes. a kind of rough renegade cop. He's literally just a twelve inch Jack Death. Like yeah. they just took him from one set and moved him <laughs> to another and filmed him and said he was twelve inches tall. I mean, that's the kind of creativity we have going on in yes. this. Now, when I saw Demonic Toys, I remember the videos, VHSs for uh, these full moon movies would have. 20 to 30 minute featurettes where it was always the best oh, yeah. part. Charles Bam would try to talk up movies that, again, didn't exist yet. And I remember them showing this giant, beautiful poster of Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys. Yes. This is like 1992 or whatever, and it's got the Puppet Master leaning in, like the uh, the Jack in a Box character attacking, and you've got the six shooter guy who comes into the third movie, like a cowboy, he's firing at him. And it's like, it looked cool. They guess for whatever reason, I don't know why, they own these properties, but they couldn't get that one off the ground, so they just decided, let's make it with Dollman. I guess it's cheaper. So they literally poured it in Dollman, brought in Bad Channel, and made this movie. These now, movies seem so end fun. Up- didn't they make up uh, Puppet Master versus Demonic So Toys? I can explain because you were asking me like I don't see this on the Full Moon roster. No, it's there, but you can't watch it. It's got like a it's got a thing that you can click on. It says this video is unavailable. 
So, from what I understand, that movie wasn't actually made by Full Moon. Not uh, completely. It was made for sci-fi. Corey, Fe- Corey <laughs> Feldman's in it. it. I've actually seen it. It's actually even worse than what you would expect from a Full Moon movie because <laughs> it's almost literally a kids movie. And the doll, the the puppet masters who were kind of the good guys and the demonic toys. It's almost like a really crappy bottom barrel version of Small Soldiers. Which, if you're looking for oh. a fun, we keep talking about. I like Small Soldiers. I like Small Soldiers too. Small Soldiers has is one of the only times it's convincing that you've got the army of Barbie dolls led by Sarah Michelle Gellar and Christina Ricci burned up Barbie dolls that the soldiers have pulled apart and jammed <laughs> knives on. And there's a whole army yeah. of them, and Christina uh, and uh, Kirsten Dunst is just running them over with a lawnmower, and they're getting ground <laughs> yeah. up and flying everywhere. It's a fun movie. I like Small Soldiers. If you're yeah. looking for a, that's the only one on here. It's probably kid friendly. Uh, yeah. And I would recommend it for kids. It's a fun movie. I think we've we've exhausted Full Moon now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, I want one, I one thing I do want to uh, point out. Not Full Moon, um, but we have not brought it up yet. Quickly, and we don't have to go into it too much in depth or anything like that. But there's a segment of a movie called Tales from the Hood that's about dolls, and I love that section. I think that is awesome. It's that's also it's also movie. feeling kind of uh, relevant. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's that's perfect for today's world right now. Tales from the Hood was a Spike Lee presented movie. John, did John, who directed it? Uh, I want to say John Singleton, but I don't think it was. Uh, yeah, I can't. I, uh, did they have maybe multiple directors come in on that? No, the basic, the the connective tissue was that it was really like it, like many Spike Lee movies, it had that kind of social. Uh, you know, justice feel to it, and it was definitely very timely uh, in, in his, you know, it was dealing with a lots of, of, you hear a title like Tales on the Hood, and you almost think something kind of jokey and silly, but it was really trying yeah. to deal, I think, take, like, the Tales from the Crypt old-style anthology feel and marry it to stories that dealt seriously with issues like racism, mm-hmm. police brutality, uh, and kind of latent... Uh, uh, kind of legacy style racism that kind of just is seen yeah. as heritage and that's the story that we deal with here where you got Corbin Burnson who is a crooked politician who wants to <laughs> who has kind of his own deep seated uh, racism and wants to kind of exploit that by it, it's almost as if David Duke would buy a plantation and start it up again kind of he doesn't start up as a plantation yeah. but he it, you know he's purposely provoking kind of the community here and he gets this house that comes with a whole bunch of little dolls who all of them look like yeah. little uh the slaves that work the plantation mm. and there's again an old lady kind of involved in the story they're creepy they're creepy looking scary and they jump out and it's interesting because again that like spike lee anger thing he doesn't really push that down like corbin yeah. bernson is like screaming racial epithets at these little things and they're just stabbing the mess out of him. Like, it, it's it's this racist guy running through a... Uh, it almost has a night gallery kind of feel to it, actually. Yeah, definitely. Southern Mansion. And these little guys are running down the banisters and stuff. Have you seen it, Chris? Yeah, I've seen it's, it. It's yeah. pretty good, yeah. It's no Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror, but... Yeah, that's that's in its <laughs> I'm favor. Just <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would I'd actually recommend just seeing Tales from the Hood, like the full movie. I, 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 I like that movie. Yeah, actually, you know what? All the stories are pretty good. Um, the last one, to me, didn't quite work. It's almost a little... No. It, it, it's a little too on the nose. But there's another segment yeah, yeah. with um, David Alan Greer in it. It's mm-hmm. really good. 
That's a good, yeah, that's a great section. The two best ones are in the middle, and the two on the end are okay. And the wraparound story is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, uh, we have to talk Child's Play. Because if we get out of this podcast spending 20 minutes on Full Moon and none on (laughs) Child's Play, I feel like something bad will happen to us. I don't even think we we don't even have to be like exhaustive on it because uh, people have said a million things about it. And the only th- I want to say a couple things like again, you've got the evil doll, but I think it's fair to to talk just a few minutes about the first movie particularly. Is yeah. for yeah. anyone who's never really seen the movies or has only seen like two or three or Bride of Chucky, which is really a spoof of the series. Yeah. Oh yeah, which is a great movie though. Yeah, it's fun. See, to Chucky's pretty junky, but like yeah. the movie, those two movies, the Child's Play series keeps trying to like reinvent itself. Mm-hmm. But if you go back yeah. to the first movie, um, and Tom Holland, who I love his Fright Night, I think is a great movie. Yeah, Fright Night's awesome. Uh, and I really like the first Child's Play. The first Child's Play, is great. yeah. What people kind of don't either, unless you're a real horror fan, maybe not know, is that after a while, the you do figure out in the first movie, that the doll is kind of possessed, spirit of a killer. We learn it right off the bat. It's seen in like the first five minutes of the film. And it does eventually talk and kind of act like Brad Dourif a little bit. And that continues through the series. But just like Freddy Krueger was a different manifestation in the first film, and then he becomes like a stand-up comic that kills people. (laughs) Like, that's what all these guys become. Like, Pinhead's more like a stern librarian. But like everybody else, (laughs) you know, quiet or your flesh will be torn. And pretty much the other guys are like stand-up comedians. You know, they have a line and they kill somebody. And... But in the first movie, that's not the case. The first movie does what we were just saying was effective about Twilight Zone and about these other pieces, is that you don't know for a lot of the movie whether it's all in the kid's head and little Alex's head. He's, he's got this good guy doll. We see people dying around the doll. But it's about halfway through before we see the doll legitimately kill someone, isn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, we Wait, know it's no, possessed, no, no, no. but it plays with it a little bit. It doesn't give us It doesn't give us a talking doll stabbing people until about, what, two-thirds of the movie? Yeah, it's got some it's got some genuinely like creepy scenes in it too. Like I, I always think back to the scene where I think it's the mom who um, picks up the doll and like check goes to check and see and like looks and the, there's no batteries in it and the head like turns around. Hi, I'm Chucky. Want to play? Like th- there's some great stuff in that movie. I really like Child's Play a lot. And that's like almost exactly like mimicking that mm-hmm. that Twilight Zone thing. But it's uh yeah when he finally does talk when you get the expressive little mask like the the animatronic face and everything when he's actually talking it's kind of startling because you spent so long just seeing him like that uh for me personally didn't like two didn't like three bride of chucky was a was like a fun like romp because you're like what the heck have they done uh and then cedar chucky was junk yeah um do you guys have anything to say about the other movies because i do want to talk a little bit about curse of chucky i was gonna say curse of chucky uh i liked it was kind of like a low budget indie kind of chucky movie i liked it um but I, i'm gonna say something that is sacrilegious i actually like chucky too i like chucky too too <laughs> yeah i mean there's a lot of fun goofy stupid stuff in yeah, it. yeah i'm not saying it's horrible was... i just i kind of was exhausted by the idea by the end of the first movie like i think mean, it was sort of like it the did, thing it about did. chucky too is at this point he's really not just a killer that's like trying to get back to his body to be, go back to his life of crime now at this point he really does just enjoy murdering people and he's got a little more malice towards everyone it's got a great ending sequence to that movie too yeah 
Now, Chucky. By the time I get the Chucky three, I'm just like the, that movie was garbage. Chucky three is the. I think Chucky three is like one of the worst ones of that. That's not like a direct to video. Well, even Seed of yeah. Chucky is kind of inspired in how bizarrely weird it goes. Yeah, yeah like even so John weird. Waters shows up. I think <laughs> yeah. in that one. I'm not... they kill like Britney Spears, don't they, in that movie? Like meta thing where they're trying to impregnate like Jennifer Tilly, actually Jennifer yeah. Tilly yeah. at that yeah. point. Like, and they kind of bring it into the other. Uh, so that was weird. Um, do you remember uh, Seth and I used to uh, were part of a website, and there was a guy who was writing reviews. He wrote an open letter to that Don Mancini, uh, complaining <laughs> yeah, about right. Chucky, and Don Mancini yeah. wrote him back apologizing. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. Yes, and and this was before. So I set that up to say because Mancini seems like a like we would sometimes run into people. That would get really offended, like and like suddenly, yeah. like, why are you in the comments ripping us <laughs> apart? And but did, he seemed like a legitimately nice guy. And what's interesting is, no, he was. He he had done actually directed Seed of Chucky, but he comes back and he makes Curse of Chucky. Did you see this one, Seth? Yeah, I saw that one recently too. I I I, I didn't love it as much as a lot of people seem to but I, I i enjoyed it it felt more like kind of back to the roots of it felt more in line with child's play one than it did with anything else in the it's series. my second favorite of the series i think just because it does make the doll creepy again it's actually doing like a, it's it's actually a really a throwback because it's like a 10 little indians like agatha christie kind of story really yeah you've got the dark uh mansion with all mm-hmm. the characters set up and the the doll's creepy again yeah like he's legitimately yeah. and it's weird because i'm like that doesn't it's for all those people that don't like it when someone reimagines their like design. I thought they had an interesting kind of twist here, where like, you're, why does yeah, he not look it, like the Chucky yeah. we remember? And there's actually a storyline explaining that, and you kind of get, you know, it's not just yeah. like, oh, this is the way he's going to look from now on. Like it, they actually played with that a bit. That was pretty cool. And I like that Fiona Dorif is the main character, yeah, there, Brad yeah. Brad Dorif's daughter. And they had a story. Yeah. I mean, they had a story. They had some good. Uh, scary sequences and things like that and it wasn't way over the top i didn't think um it was a fun it was a fun movie which is all this series really is i think although i'd say the first one there's a little bit more there yeah than the others and child's play three is pretty terrible uh child's play two is just more of the same it's just a rehash really i mean that i'm not saying it's bad it just to me it just there's not a lot if you want to see chucky kill people again that's great if you're sort of like (laughs) show me something new (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which to be fair bride of chucky and the others kind of do they like they, they put a spin on it a little mm-hmm. bit i don't know anything about I'm it but sure. i hear they're working on a cult of chucky yeah so i haven't seen yeah. a trailer for this is there a trailer out there i don't think so. yeah there is there's there's two there's a red band and a green band right now look oh, okay. does it look good <clears throat> it doesn't look it looks more in line with um curse of chucky than it does with anything else so it could be good fiona duroff's character does she come back into the story uh, I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't don't quote me on that. I'm I'm trying to look at IMDb right now. No, she is in it. Fiona Dorif. Yeah, she plays Nika. Is was that the name of the character in the last one? So they they because they yeah. So it is it is a continuation then. By the end of the movie, they had set up a pretty strong connection to the others. And Jennifer mm-hmm. Jennifer Tilly comes back. Oh. Yeah, she comes back. Yeah, I like Jennifer Tilly. <laughs> and depending what version you see, Alex comes back too. Yeah, that's true. Did you see that, <laughs> yeah. Seth? Yeah. Yes. At the very end of one of the like, it was like a deleted scene or something, and like Chucky has like shipped himself to Alex's yeah. house, but when the box opens up, he's got like a <laughs> shotgun pointed at his head. Yeah. 
Uh, spoiler, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, he no, he, he's in the new one too. Is he? Oh, so yeah, he is. He's playing Andy. He's playing Andy again. <laughs> Connected universe, the Chucky verse. Oh, yeah. Okay, man. I think we could wrap this up soon. There's a couple uh, uh, others. Talk about some teddies. Some teddies. Yeah. Before we get to the teddies, gonna just run through some really quickly. Anyone here seen the movie Magic? No. Yeah, I was gonna bring that up. Magic's great. Magic's really good. It it's ventriloquist dummy Anthony Hopkins and his ventriloquist dummy, and the dummy looks like a small Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> it's, it's a creepy. It's a, it's a really good movie. It's a psychologically disturbing movie too. This Richard Attenborough directed it too. Yeah, Attenborough, who did Gandhi <laughs> and other movies, and of course was uh, um, John Hammond and Jurassic Hammond Park. and yeah. yeah. It's a uh, it's good and it's creepy. I, I really want to rewatch it. I didn't get a chance to rewatch it before this, but I put that at the top of your list if you're looking for ones to see. I'm not saying it's yeah. better than some of the other ones we've mentioned, but I'd say if you haven't seen it, it's worth seeing. So yeah. yeah. And um, a couple others. I mentioned, um, do you guys remember a movie called Making Contact? Nope. No, I don't remember that. Roland Emmerich gem. Oh. In the oh, 80s, geez. there was this movie. It was released elsewhere as Joey, but here is Making Contact. And it had this creepy dummy, and it was clearly trying to cash in on Steven Spielberg. I cannot explain to you what the plot was. <laughs> this boy, I think he might be trying to commune with his father from the other side, and this ventriloquist dummy has supernatural things happening to it and it's like floating around and go <sighs> screaming at him it's just like nonsense i mean pretty much right on track for everything that roland emmerich made <laughs> after that yeah but um i wouldn't really recommend it it just it's a part of my childhood uh memory <laughs> i can't get rid of it uh but I, when as a kid i remember seeing it in the video store and thinking oh this must be a pretty popular movie and as i grew up you know Pretty much every 80s movie became a cult classic, regardless of what it was, except for this friggin' movie right here. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I hear no one ever talk about this movie at all. Uh, (laughs) Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, you guys remember this? Yeah. And I think (laughs) the trick is, this movie has nothing to do with Christmas or Silent Night, Deadly Night. Are they robots in this movie or something? There are robots. Oh, yes, I have seen this. It's not exactly robots, uh, but yeah, I guess kind of robots. Mickey Rooney think made a movie called the toy maker and they slapped silent night deadly night five on it and i really hope i don't i don't know if i hope i think it would be funny if it happened without his consent like he didn't know about it and then suddenly realized silent night deadly night five stars him that would be great but yes there is a robot eventually there's a kind of pinocchio theme going on <laughs> surprise and remember there was also a movie called pinocchio's revenge like in that 90s period yes. where you, they're making everything into a horror movie so like a rumble still skin yeah and uh <laughs> Pinocchio. So, yeah, I think we've kind of... Ex- it, the last thing we have to talk about, uh, evil teddy bears. Because that, to me, falls into the doll yeah, category. Yeah, absolutely does. What do you... Come on, what do you guys got? <laughs> I think you know exactly what I've got. I want to talk about that classic, The Pit. Where you have... Oh, The Pit's great. The creepy little, like, somewhat pervy kid and the te- evil teddy bear... And the evil teddy bear tells him to do things, and like it, it's that's a that's a part of the plot. That's one third of the crazy mess that's going on in the pit. Yeah. Yeah. And you also have a plot where he's like feeding troglodytes in a pit in the ground, people that he doesn't yeah. like. <laughs> and then there's the like part where he's like plotting to make like the librarian and like 
his babysitter like get nude for him and stuff. Yeah. There's that. There's also eventually one of his characters becomes a ghost and haunts him. I mean, right. there's a lot of stuff happening in this movie. I do want Seth to qualify his statement where he said the pit is great. <laughs> yeah. Explain what you mean by that, because you we we could be responsible for a, okay, yes, a lot of wasted as much, time. As much as I am amused by the yeah. concept of it and what happens in it, I can't say with all good clear conscience that it's a good movie and that anyone should watch it. If you are a fan of horror movies and you just are sort of like that person that tries to see everything, yeah. this is an oddity. Like You will never see a movie like this. And it's the pit is a movie. I will clarify that my my previous statement. <laughs> I didn't say you say the pit was great. I think what you mean is it, you can have a great time watching it. It's not a great yeah. movie. Um, no, it's not. It's like when we say magic's movie. a kind of a great movie, it's kind of a great movie. But like the pit is is just like you're watching it. It's so bizarre. Chris, you've often said that like one of the strangest scenes in that movie is these children jamming birthday cake in the bathroom. I was about to mention that. Yeah, yeah it's like you see these children like mangling cake in their mouths and like spitting out like. Uh, icing and stuff it's gross but the teddy bear in the movie i like we can talk about that for a minute that has no connection to anything else you yeah, look at you're it, like how does this happen the pit poster it's a pretty cool poster you see this giant monster face and then you kind of it's like implied it's under the ground and then you have this sort of silhouette of the tree line and then the uh, just a boy standing out in the mm. middle of this vast space holding a teddy bear but the to me, the supernatural element of that story is supposed to be the Trollocs in the pit. You know, he suddenly finds them, okay. But then the teddy bear is never explained. The mm-hmm. teddy bear moves. No. Like, you see it moving when they're trying to look at it. But it's also creepy in the sense that it's not just a bear that moves. It seems like there's a person inside the bear. Like, yeah. you know, there's there's creepy, like, eye holes cut out, and you can see, like, eyes behind it. A weird It, it reminds me too. of, like, Mac and me, and the kid almost looks the same. Like, when, <laughs> you guys remember Mac and me, where he puts the alien, like, into the teddy bear costume? <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, and it dances with McDonald's. Ronald. Ronald McDonald is a big Ronald. Like, someone was like, this is the worst product placement ever. Like, they could have called it Big Mac and me. And, oh, uh, yeah. But, like, it's a... They're both bad movies, and unfortunately, being the kind of kid that I was, I saw them both about the same time, yeah, so they probably melded yeah. into the same movie. I saw this on Channel Fifty Four, like a like two two p.m. on a Saturday afternoon. What was that doing on TV <laughs> in the yeah, afternoon? I'm like, I saw it in like fourth or fifth grade. I was like, this is fascinating. Uh, don't did you ever try to like scheme your way to like? No, no. When I didn't try to feed anybody to the monsters in the pit. Um, <laughs> It's a mess. Uh, it is totally a mess. Seth, how about any uh, teddy bears on your end? Well, we uh, we talked about the uh, teddy bear from Twin Peaks. That's that's one of the recent ones that's haunting my dreams. But this one's not so much creepy, but I just think it's it's worth a mention. But there's a um, episode of Supernatural where a kid's like teddy bear comes to life and it's depressed and ends up blowing its brains out or blowing its fluff out. It's just a great scene. Everyone's making wishes. Little girl wishes for a teddy bear to come to life, and it's not. It's like depressed, but it like it's it's sending the little girl like out to the grocery store to buy like or to the convenience store to buy like <laughs> porn and booze for it, and it just yeah. like sits in the house lamenting its like state in life. And there's a point when it like writes a note like you know goodbye cruel world, shoots its head and the fluff blows out against the back of the wall, and all of a sudden you look back and the teddy bear's alive again. And he throws his arms in the air and goes no. <laughs> just screams in anguish. Uh, that was one of Supernatural's better better episodes. I highly recommend. Yeah. I think Ted Raimi was in that episode too. 
Yeah, I think you're right. There is the Teddy from AI, uh, which is creepy oh, in his yeah. own way. I know he's kind of seen as a like a good character, like the sidekick to the Haley Joel Osment like android character. Uh, I really like AI a lot, honestly, and I think the Teddy character is pretty interesting. But he does have he's creepy. He's probably he's really interesting because he takes that idea of the creepy teddy bear and does interesting things with it. Um, the creepy dolls from the Krampus movie, you know, he has a oh yeah yeah monstrous mm-hmm. teddy bear kind of in that one. Um, and of course, like you said, hello Johnny, how are you today? <laughs> it's so funny, Seth. The other day. Uh, you know, Facebook always lets you know when you hit, like, a, mo- a milestone moment or something, like something you posted <laughs> yeah. years back. I don't know if you saw this, but, like, one popped up on my thing, and my wife just turns and points it at me. And it was when Jonathan was, like, a month or two after he was just born. And I'm sitting there tickling him and literally saying, hello, Johnny. How are you today? Oh How are you today? <laughs> exactly that. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> this is where Lynch found it. Yes, yes, okay. Um, it's creepy. Like, the, the, there's something creepy about teddy bears. There's something creepy about dolls. I don't know if there's a takeaway here other than maybe don't make evil doll <laughs> movies anymore. I do want to see yeah. Cult of Chucky. I'd be interested in seeing yeah. that. I want to revisit magic. I'd say magic, uh, magic dolls, Dead of Night, put and Trilogy of Terror. Put those at the top of your list. The first Child's Play, if you haven't seen it for some reason, is really good. Um, you could probably avoid pretty much everything <laughs> else. Yeah. The TV episode, the TV episodes like Twilight Zone and Tales from the Crypt, those are good because they're quick. You're not going to be spending like an hour and a half on that. Oh, we also forget to mention we all we forget to mention one thing too. Lars and the Real Girl. If you want to talk about a scary doll movie, uh, <laughs> yes, I I think that's legitimately a good movie. Personally, I like it. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> it was good. Did you see it, Chris? Not scary. Did you like it? Yeah, it was alright. Um. Uh, a very different movie. Yes. <laughs> than, uh, <laughs> you're not aware of it. That we were a pretty good Ryan before. Gosling performance, I'd actually say. I thought yeah. Yeah. he did a good job in it. Um, it's worth it's worth seeing. Anyway, that's about it for us. Thank you for joining us, and uh, come back next time. Take care. <laughs>